tidings from Central America, from our deep underground or above ground, we're not really underground, we're above ground, bunker, uh, located somewhere near Ada, Oklahoma. Um, we'd love for you to come see us, so find us, that's always fun. Uh, find us and come see us, that's what we want. We want you to come in here so we can capture you and talk to you about everything that we talk about on Ship Talks and help you with your health. How does that sound? So we would love to see you here, so come on in. You can come to the underground bunker location at any time and we would love to see you. Today we got an exciting topic. So uh, most of us don't get real excited about pH, do we? Uh, but I think you might after today. So we're gonna walk through uh, some stuff. So we're gonna walk through you know, understanding of pH. So what is pH? And we're gonna talk about how that affects your health. We're gonna talk about how important that really is to you. And most of us don't even realize this. I you know, certainly didn't before I started studying all this stuff. Um, so pH is vital. Um, you know, pH has to do with water. So here, let's just dive right in. That's just gonna be the best thing rather than try to um, just explain it all. So I'm gonna walk you guys through, uh, I gotta give credit to these guys. So let's see, uh, chapter 20, water forms, ions, H2O, H plus plus OH, water splits apart into hydrogen and hydroxide ions. This process is called self-ionization. So this is from a, a uh, class, but I just wanna use it because it's a nice illustration of pH. And so what, pH has to do with water, all right? And this is super important to our health. So, so hopefully I don't lose you here in a little bit of the science. So stick around to the end because again, this is, I'm gonna tie this back into how important it is to our health and how this works inside of us and you know, how it helps or hurts you know, bacteria and all kinds of stuff. So we're gonna get into some cool stuff. But first of all, we just gotta talk about pH. So again, if you split apart an H, H2O molecule, you have a positive hydrogen molecule, a positive proton, a positively charged, let's say proton. And what that means is that is just a H with no electrons. So it's got a hole in its electron shell. So it's ready to accept an electron. So that's what that's saying. So it's an H with, a, with an empty hole for an electron and it's ready to accept an electron. And then we have an OH, which has an extra electron, okay? So it's when these break apart, the OH kind of pulls the electrons with it, all right? And, and sort of strips the H of the electrons that it had. Um, so important, all right? And that's what the plus and the minus mean is H just can accept electron and OH has a minus, which means it can give up an electron. So it's got kind of an extra electron to give. And minuses are important. We'll talk about those in a little bit. Okay, so pH stands for potential hydrogen. It is a measure of the hydrogen ion, H plus, concentration in a solution. So water is just H2O is gonna be right here in the middle. The more just individual H's you have, the more acidic an environment's gonna be, the more OH's you have, the more basic or alkaline that environment is going to be. An acid is a substance that increases the hydrogen ion concentration in a solution. Acids taste sour, common acids include battery acid, stomach acid, lemon juice, tomatoes, vinegar, beer, wine. Interestingly, alcohol, yeah, yeah, um, is acidic. Rain, milk, urine, all right. Uh, bases, is bases is something that reduces the H pluses, so they're on the other end, they're the you know higher than seven stuff. Um, concentration of solution has a lot of OH ions, and that's the reason why it does, is it offsets the H's and they just create water, right? 
Um, bases taste bitter and feel slippery. So common bases include blood, seawater, Pepto-Bismol, Tums, soap, ammonia, bleach, oven cleaner. And we'll get into what some more bases are later. Neutral pH of a concentration of hydrogen ions and hydroxide ions is equal. A solution is said to have neutral pH. Water, distilled water, has a neutral pH. And that's the definition of distilled water is a neutral pH. The pH scale range from 0 to 14. Acids are less than 7. Bases are greater than 7. So you have water right in the middle. And then as that water splits into H pluses, that gets more acidic. As it splits into OHs, that gets more alkaline. Okay, again, we don't really need to go through the scale. It's the, you know, basically 10 to the whatever is the sort of indication of pH. And that's the number of H pluses, right? Yeah, so the higher, the lower the number of H pluses, which is the higher the number, then this is right. So it's this is basically 10 to however many H plus is in a solution, it gives the pH. So, and pH values are equal to the absolute value of the exponent of the H plus constant. Yeah, the exponent. So that's what that's saying. Yeah, I did a great job of explaining that, didn't I? Again, it's, it's the same thing on OHs. So uh, most biological fluids have a pH of six to eight. Uh, pH values in the stomach can reach two, and that's because you got to digest, you know, bone chunks and you know rocks and stuff that you need acid to be able to break down. Um, but it shouldn't really be that low all the time. So buffers are substances that minimize changes in the concentrations of H plus and OH in solutions. So anything that will bind to an H plus or an OH, so like things that have uh, elect an extra electron to give would likely bind, you know, to H's and things that need an extra electron would likely bind to OH's. And so there's buffers that do that in your body uh, that help sort of try to neutralize the, you know, too high or too low of a pH. Okay, so that is all I wanted to cover for that. Um, again, how does this work with different surfaces? Well, it depends on the basically the charge of the surface. And the nice thing about water, water itself, so H2O is, is charged, but it's sort of both positively charged and negatively charged because of the hydrogen and the OH uh, atoms associated with it. And so it depends on the material, but like in a mineral, this is what this is over here on the left, yeah, again, positive and negative charge things, and you're gonna have the uh, oxygens attracted to the minuses, and you're gonna have the hydrogens attracted to the pluses. Um, and so again, that's just kind of how stuff works, and this is how they would configure up. In a metal, a metal is a little bit more organized, you know, a little bit more tightly organized, and that's why metals are hard, because they're just more tightly organized. And again, you have pluses in metals, and those are gonna attract um, the hydrogen side. And then in biomembranes, again, you're going to have a minus charged uh, biomembrane that's going to be attracted to the O's. And, and so we can stick, you know, water to different things because of these charges, which is important. Okay. So do other things have charges? Yeah. I mean, salt is something that is charged. So you have a, a sodium ion that's positively charged. You have a chloride item or chlorine item that is negatively charged. It's chloride if it's negatively charged, but these things come together and they produce sodium chloride, which is called salt. You can dissolve salt in water because it will polarize. And again, this is what this looks like down here. So you have some salt 
with the positive the Na plus uh, thing that's called the cation. So positives are called cations. And again, those are gonna attract the hydrogen side of the water. And then you have the negative over here, that's called the anon. And again, that's gonna attract the oxygen side of stuff. So I know a little science, but I just want you to get the idea that we have these ions and we, there's stuff that we hear about all the, all the time, but they'll stick to water and they do things with water. And these guys definitely affect pH. Again, you know, you can HCl, hydrochloric acid, right? So again, Cl is going to combine with H to up the pH, if that makes sense. So it's a buffer. Na will combine with OHs um, in certain circumstances to uh, lower the pH. Okay, so why is this important? Well, you live, basically we all run by mitochondrion cells. That's the engine inside of us. We don't have one engine, so we don't just have one V8, you know, hemi engine that runs us. We've got a jajillion little engines and they exist in every eukaryotic cell, but they're called mitochondria. And there might be thousands of mitochondria. There are lots of mitochondria in your brown fat cells. And hopefully we all have a lot of brown fat cells because that's something that we really need. But we need, um, again, there's lots of mitochondria, let's say in brown fat, thousands, could be thousands of mitochondria in each cell. So how do these mitochondria produce energy? What's through a situation called the proton pump and, and by basically producing voltage by moving these ions around, okay? So H pluses are the mechanism of producing energy inside of you. So the fuel that's used is something called ATP, but the mechanism, the spark, if you will, the spark plug is, is H pluses, all right? So protons, you could call those as well, um, which is interesting, right? So an H plus is just a proton. It's just a single proton. So we all learned about cells in high school, right? And we learned about neutrons and protons and electrons. Neutrons and protons are what's in a cell. Well, if I strip off all the electrons and strip off all the neutrons and I've just got one proton left, that's a hydrogen ion okay <laughs> and everything's made of hydrogen ions so everything's made of protons aren't they and again these are just protons this is called a proton pump this whole situation you guys can you know study it there's four there's four reactions here that lead to energy um, and this goes wrong in a lot of disease states so it is something that's worthy to study mitochondria are you know, I think they're the philosopher's stone. I feel like, you know, the understanding of a mitochondria is the understanding of everything, everything, everything. Okay, so uh, bacteria. So again, let's, let's sort of shift gears. So we've talked about pH and how pH works inside of you. Now let's talk about the guys that wanna live inside of you and what they do and how they work with pH. So look at this. So all of these pathogenic bacteria have a pH that's less than seven, don't they? So these guys are all acidic. Now these guys I see in people all the time, all right? So uh, you, you might not think that you have dysentery, uh, but you probably got the little Shigella guys in you somewhere, right? And we all do. And these guys will lay latent, they'll lay latent until, you know, they have sort of an opportunistic time to expand their world. But point here is they like to live in acidic environments. So the bugs lack the acid. Um, the other thing that the bugs do is they do, or bacteria does this, and funguses and yeast and molds will also do this, and cancer does this. 
something called anaerobic glycolysis. So in a cell, you have really three different fuels. So you have glucose, which is super inefficient. It's not where we wanna be, but it's our quick start mechanism. So like if a muscle gets ready to fire, it's gonna start off on glucose, right? But as that muscle continues to fire, it's gonna to switch to a more efficient mode which is burning fat, all right? But burning fat requires oxygen. So it has to have oxygen as substrate. You can burn glucose over here in any, any, every cell will run on glucose in any environment. If you give a cell glucose in any environment, it doesn't have to have oxygen, doesn't have to have anything, it's gonna run, okay? So it is the default low gear for a cell. And when we eat, we go into default mode. Um, the sort of next gear is burning fat and we're 55 zero times more efficient when we're burning fat. Well, when you get infected, when you get infected with something in the area where that infection is, and I mean, this could be a bacteria, it could be fungus, could be yeast, could be virus, could be parasite, roundworm, hookworm, all that stuff. So if you get infected in an area, what these guys wanna do is they wanna jump the cells in that area to be stuck over here running on glucose because that advantages them. You're 50 times less powerful. You have 50 times less of an immune system is a way to think about it. So again, if I can stick cells in an area into this aerobic glycolysis, you're super vulnerable in that area. Now I can just dom you, you know, in that area. And that's what these bugs do. So they get in and they basically change the metabolic state of cells. And this is the same thing that cancer does, okay? But it's, this is called the Warburg effect, but it's also called anaerobic glycolysis. And its cells shouldn't do it. And, and it, your cells, when they're in high growth mode, they will do this briefly, but it's sort of, they get stuck even in the presence of oxygen. So if I give your cells oxygen and you, you know, sort of phosphorate AMPK, you're gonna run on fat, all right? These cells don't. I can phosphorate AMPK and I can give them oxygen and they stay stuck. They stay stuck in glucose mode. And again, it's probably because it advantages them because you don't have an immune system to do battle with them at that point. So very important though, this anaerobic glycolysis and bacteria, it's called the Warburg effect. I call it the bacterial hijack. Um, and this is a pathology in almost every single disease. You know, if you want to know why we say treat the cause, it's because we know about this. And this is, let's say it's not the cause, but it's part of the pathology of the cause. It's part of the, you know, environment and mechanism of the cause of almost all disease. All right. Um, so what happens when cells get stuck in this anaerobic glycolysis? Well, it's just like kind of muscle cells, all right? So they're gonna produce a lot of lactic acid. And lactic acid is something that's going to create an acidic, an acidic environment, again, which we've just seen bacteria-like, right? So if I can get your pH to drop down, let's say in your gut, to the area where I like it, if I'm a bug, then that's very advantageous to me. Again, now I've just, I've sort of built my home inside of you and I'm, you know, putting the curtains on and all that stuff where it's nice and comfy and cozy, isn't it? Uh, and that's exactly what happens. Okay, so what is the pH of lactic acid? Well, it's pretty low, I mean, it's four-ish. Um, so, you know, again, that's not good. If you have things inside of you that are producing a lot of lactic acid, that's gonna overall make your environment more acidic, which is going to promote other bacteria, 
Okay, look at all these guys, all right? So again, these guys can all like this about four, you know, uh, pH, right? Look at all the guys that are, live at four pH. And again, that's the situation that we create for them. Um, well, they create for themselves, let's say, as they hijack us. We can create this situation inside of us, you know, drink. I'll show you in a second how we do this to ourselves. Okay, um, so this is this is something called cell membrane potential all right and so you know how permeable meaning uh porous your cells are to stuff is super important you don't want your cells real porous right so do we we don't want a bunch of bacteria in and out of every cell we don't want a bunch of you know gunk in and out of every cell if that starts happening that cell is going to get sick and that cell is going to die so we want a strong, uh, basically non-porous membrane. Well, the way that that's measured in science is something called cell membrane potential. And the way that that happens is through these ions, okay? So, so if you look here, you've got gradients, again, that can happen. And, and again, like pluses over here are attracted to pluses. This is, I'm looking at the graph on the left, and they're uh, repelled by minuses, all right? So the only way to basically get these NAs inside of a cell, inside that cell where it's negative, is to have some kind of a receptor, is to have some kind of a transport mechanism. And that's exactly what happens. And so what we want is these strong cell membranes, but we want good transport systems to be able to have the cells work. Now, why do we want that? Oh, well, here's another uh, example. And again, this is just with H pluses. So this is you could think of this as acidic in a way but it doesn't really it's not this is inside of your cell and, it, and it's this is really used these proton pumps are used really more for energy and fuel okay uh, but you know strictly speaking they are just like a battery i mean we know that we have battery acid batteries use acid to be able to sort of create this potential and this is exactly what this is the energy sort of pump inside of you and how you generate energy inside of mitochondria Okay, so, but back to membrane potential. So the membrane potential is super duper important. So let me just read you this. Membrane potential is generated due to the different ion content inside and outside a cell, okay? And it is linked to ATP, so it's linked to this whole uh, energy mechanism and mitochondrial energy making, ATP formation. Only live cells are able to maintain membrane potential. So what does it mean to be alive? Strong membrane potential. Is there a continuum there between life and death? Absolutely there is a continuum. Can that continuum be measured? Yes, that's what we do right now. Can that membrane or can that continuum be altered? Yes, there's absolutely ways to alter that whole situation. So if you're over here close to death, you know, there's a way to alter your begin to alter your membrane potential to tighten up your cells. Again, healthy cells lead to healthy you. Uh, it's just the way that it works. The unhealthy cells lead to a sick you, all right? So it's all really comes down to a cell. I'll tell a funny story sometime. I knew I'd have to get into cellular mechanics at some point when I started studying the endocannabinoid system. Here we are, right in the middle of all of them. Uh, but anyway, membrane potential is, is sort of a definition of life and it's also a definition of health. Um, so important and again this has to do with ph all right okay so uh, what is the ph of urine 
Now, why am I bringing this up? Ooh, gross, urine. Well, again, I'm gonna make it even grosser for you. I want you to pH test your urine, okay? So I really do. I want you to begin to pH testing your urine. And the more acidic you are, the sicker you are. And I can almost guarantee you that this will be the case. The more, oh, let me say that again. The more acidic, so the lower your pH, the more sort of in crisis your body is. Why? Because you've got a bunch of bugs inside of you that are making a bunch of lactic acid that's causing your pH to be low. And it shouldn't be low. Now, this will be variable. Again, you can change this every day. And I'll, I'll sort of show you how to do this. But just, you know, rocking and rolling along like we are, this is a good thing to measure and to be able to see, well, you know, how sick am I right now? And this is something you can do at home, right? So everybody, you can go when you're next time. Home Depot or you know if you have a pool you know but but go to the pool supply and they have pH strips everywhere and just pee on one that's all you got to do and then measure it on the little thing be careful don't drip on yourself um, but look at where your pH is because this is super important to your health and again if you're too acidic that's going to indicate that you kind of have some sickness going on. Being too alkaline is, is not a bad thing. Um, and you won't be higher than eight. It's very hard to get higher than eight. Okay, so there are kind of two aspects to this, right? So there are these H uh, pluses that create acidity. And then there's also these OHs that are sort of negatively charged that you know create alkalinity, right? Well, negatively charged things like the OHs are really good and they're really good for us. So right before a thunderstorm, there'll be a bunch of OHs. Um, if you go and get around uh, running water, there's more OHs, there's more negative ions. Um, if you subject water to UV rays, so you just you know kind of have it out in the sun. So if you guys have ever made sun tea or anything like that, um, again, that will make that water more negatively charged. Um, if you're ever around a waterfall, so waterfalls will negatively charge ions, and these are really, really good for us. So we're electric. We have to be able to move things around, and we have to be able to move ions around. And again, pH, alkalinity, plays a role in this, very important role, all right? So we want to be exposed to negative ions. It's very important for our health. You pull negative ions in, again, it helps you balance this ionic balance inside of us. How do we measure the ionic balance? You can you know, get a pH strip and, and test your urine. Uh, that's the easiest way to do it. So, and I haven't done that yet, so I'll test mine and you know, I'll give a, maybe a report of that on, on the page, on the Facebook page or something down the road. So what can you do if you are too acidic? Um, well, you can, everybody's got baking soda around the house, right? So here's add a quarter teaspoon of baking soda to a glass of water to zap acid in your stomach. So you can, be, you can change this right now, you know, by adding a quarter teaspoon of baking soda to a glass of water. And this won't break your fast either. So if you're out there intermittent fasting, um, this is a good thing to do. Um, it, uh, don't do this all the time though. Again, what you want to do is you want to correct this really through diet and behavior. So through intermittent fasting, through eating the right stuff. Um, you know, this is sort of a quick way to begin to make a change if you are too acidic and it will, this will cause change. I mean, this will kill bacteria, you know, inside of you if you begin to do this. But you don't want to do this all the time, right? So you don't want to, this is 
kind of what pharma does, you know, it's sort of forcing this change in, you know, kind of a sledgehammer method a little bit. So this is good if you're in crisis, but this probably isn't the way to overall change, you know, your acidity or alkalinity. This is the way to do it. So um, this is just a food chart. Again, there's way more, you know, to this obviously than, uh, or way, a lot more foods that are, you know, here that, that are, are not represented on this chart. But I want to read down this chart just real quick because I want you to realize something. And there's certainly good things that are acidic, but there's a lot more, let's say, bad things that are acidic and cause acidic-like uh, situations. And look at all the stuff that's in our, let's say, environment that we're exposed to that's acidic. So, so let me read these. Carbonated water. So, yeah, we all kind of drink the club soda. Energy drinks are acidic. Popcorn, cream cheese buttermilk prunes is interesting so those you know can be certainly healthy pastries pasta cheese pork beer wine again none of that's good for you black tea is good for you or can be pickles are good for you can be chocolate roasted nuts so those are good for you can be vinegar uh, sweet and low not so much equal NutraSweet. so most purified water is at, at about a five <laughs> okay distilled water coffee Sweetened fruit juices, pistachios, beef, white bread, peanuts, nuts, wheat. Fruit juices, most grains, eggs, fish tea, cooked beans, cooked spinach, soy milk. And so a lot of these are starting to get good as they're you know starting to get closer to seven. But that's kind of where we want to be is closer to seven. So seven is most tap water, spring water, sea water, river water. And then look at eight, apples, almonds, tomatoes, grapefruit, corn, mushrooms, turnips, olives, soybeans, peaches, bell pepper, radishes, Pineapple, cherries, wild rice, apricot, strawberries, bananas. Nine is avocados, green tea. So you guys can see there, but you get the idea. You know, over here on the right, we've got a lot more uh, healthy things than we do on the left side. Let me just look at this real quick because I think meat is also pretty acidic. So uh, pH of meat. Yeah, so meat is going to be also acidic. So if you look at, at most stuff, you know, that we have in our diet, you know, it's we have these sort of processed foods and we eat a lot of these, you know, we've got kind of bad oils and, and fats and then we got a lot of meat. So all this really creates a very acidic situation and we need to be aware of this. Um, again, how do you change it? Quarter teaspoon of baking soda. <laughs> and that is the sledgehammer method. It's better to, you know, kind of change it with your behavior and diet over time. Okay, boys and girls, that's all I got for you today. So uh, you guys have a good, good weekend this weekend. Be safe if you're going to go out and do summer type things with your family. Um, and we'll talk to you next week.